Welcome to the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood alongside John Paul Basham and producer Nathan. We are here with you for another episode. Uh, Just a quick reminder to leave a rating and review if you haven't done that yet. We sure would appreciate it. We would love to know what you think and how we can continue to make the podcast better for you, the awesome student ministry listeners, Uh, as well when people search for student ministry content on their podcast platform of choice, it helps them find it when there's ratings and reviews. So thanks for that. The other thing is, uh, while you're there, if you want to be notified every time a new episode comes out, hit the subscribe button and you can be notified. As we get into today's episode, a quick note uh, from our fact-checking and research department from our last episode is that Watergate salad is made with pudding mix, not Jello. So, for those of you that are big Watergate salad fans, uh, you you were very upset about our mistake. You were you or were you angry. never heard of it and tried to make it with Jello <laughs> yeah, mix. That's right. <laughs> or you tried to pull it off with Jello mix, thinking we were on to something special. This is watery. It is. <laughs> it's kind of gritty. Uh, so I'm sorry about that. Um, our research and fact-checking department, otherwise known as Producer Nathan, found that for us, and we, we want to repent and make sure you know the truth. For today's episode, we're going to talk about Black Friday. Black Friday. Here's the reality. Some of y'all got up at 2 in the morning or never went to bed day after Thanksgiving, and you went and stood in line to get something a tv a pair of ipods <laughs> i mean airpods maybe a pair of ipods a pair of ipods <laughs> i don't you went do they stood even, at the pawn shop do they, do they even make ipods anymore <laughs> oh man i would now if pawn shops did black friday i'd that, go check it out that'd be awesome sometimes you can find you a good second-hand deer rifle at mm-hmm. a pawn shop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My first deer rifle ever, Lever Action 3030, I got from a pawn shop. I like it. So, but the reality is some of y'all got up, you went and stood in line, you had a tent, you you did something to go buy those air pods or uh, TV or some type of game system or a piece of furniture. You You were out there. Have you ever done it? Have you ever gone and fought the Black Friday situation? I have. It's been some time. Yeah. It's been so long ago that I stood in line for a camcorder. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long it's been. Yeah. It's been that since tells the you days of tape camcorders. Yeah. I love it. I've never done it. Never one time. I have stood in line in the middle of the night for the release of the World of Warcraft Burning Crusade expansion when... It was still discs. So I stood outside of a game shop. But it wasn't Black Friday. I've never done the Black Friday thing. Have you stood outside for a phone? No. Never stood outside for the phone. I've done the iPhone wait before. How was that? It was fine. I was like third in line because it was not a popular store. (laughs) I was third out of ten. <laughs> Have you ever done the Chick-fil-A thing? The the year of Chick-fil-A? No, no, but I do want to do that. So that is a wait all night for something that you're here for. Yeah, but they have things, entertainment. Yeah, it's like a programmed event. Yeah, I would love to take my two older boys at some point and camp out in the Chick-fil-A parking lot. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. 
when they're do like when they're doing the <laughs> yeah, only if there's a urophrygic fillet on the line. <laughs> Not just normally. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Is there anything that you, so Chick-fil-A, is there anything else you would stand in line for? Like all night, camp out, this is good enough that I am going to be out here. I used to want to do one of those things where you have to keep your hand on the car the longest. Yes. And then you win, you the, win car. the car. Yeah. It's like radio, like old school radio station stunt. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. What if we did that student ministry? Like we picked a big student ministry conference that was going on that we went. Like what if we did that at one of these uh, youth pastor summits that we went to and we had some type of youth ministry prize and you just had to keep your hand on it the whole. I bet people would stay longer than the event because the event's only like 48 hours. I mean, they'd never see the event because most of the time that's a multiple <laughs> day thing. So. We'd have to have it like live streamed outside so that they could still participate. <laughs> all right. Um, so Black Friday is all about, I want to get the biggest, best thing for the cheapest amount as quickly as possible. It is the epitome of like flash in the pan. We're going to do this one day. You got to be in line. You got to be here ready. And then it's gone. Yeah. And just playing into consumerism, yeah. I mean, it's at its best, American consumerism. Absolutely. Which I'm okay with. <laughs> when it benefits us. Here's one of the things about Black Friday. John Paul, I don't know if, if you, I did not know this. I don't know if you knew this or not. Producer Nathan was telling me yesterday, and every time Producer Nathan says, says something, you've got to <laughs> wonder, like, is this absolutely true You or have not? to ask the question, is it true or are you making an assumption? Because he'll just say it with every bit of confidence. <laughs> I love that, too. He's so confident. He just launches in. But he did the research on this, and this is actually a thing. Like, when you see these TVs that are on sale for, like, crazy amounts, they're Black Friday manufactured goods. Yes. They are not, like, they have less ports or like there's something that makes them cheaper in manufacturing mm -hmm. than the other TV. So it's not like you're getting that TV for that. It's a cheaper TV in general. I also found one time when I was shopping for TVs and considering going to buy one over Black Friday that they marked the TVs up. I just happened to be watching the prices of like a 55 inch or whatever Samsung smart TV and noticed at the beginning of November, the prices went up. And then when they marked them down for Black Friday, they didn't come down as far as they were just in October at the regular price. So you were paying more for the same TV on the Black Friday sale, but they could put 20% off because they jacked the price up right before. Ah. That was a sneaky trick. See, I knew they would get you somehow. Yeah. Like in the back of my mind, I'm like, they're getting us. They can't just give away all their stuff. No, they can't. So they're getting us. And I've now learned two ways they get us. But see, the key there for me was I won the next week. What they didn't sell on Black Friday, they put back down to the original price and marked that down and ended up getting a great deal then. So you got... You were like champ, champ. Mm. You got that double up. Yeah. So here's the thing. Black Friday, I mean, you nailed it. It plays into the consumerism. I mean, every time we see like these videos of people getting trampled on at Walmart and like, or the department store of your choice. I don't want to like throw Walmart under the bus <laughs> here, but you see those videos 
and here's the thing, like if, if we draw a connection to student ministry, because we are the student ministry podcast, not the Black Friday podcast, is that sometimes if we're not careful, this idea of flash in the pan consumerism can trickle its way into student ministry and our student ministries can become built on those things. The all at once, quick payoff type of stuff. And what we're left with in that is maybe one event that looked really good from the outside, but not a ministry that is sustainable and effective over a long period of time. Well, that and where I think a lot of ministries sit is a a ministry that constantly demands being fed these huge events with huge incentives. Yeah. And once you get into that cycle, it's what's the next thing. And the next thing is always bigger than the last one because you can't do what you did last time because now it's not the same hook that it was before. Yeah. And so it becomes a a beast that's got to eat or a model that needs to be changed. Yeah. Because that statement that it's an old statement, I don't know who said it first, but what you draw them with is what you'll have to keep them with. And that rings true. You win them with, you win them too. Yeah, that's right. So the thing, the thing is like, neither one of us would say to you, we are against big events or we're against doing a flashy thing, but we are against, and we would recommend and encourage you to use those strategically to have a system in place where that is one piece of what you're doing to get students plugged in further into your ministry rather than relying on those things only to build and sustain a ministry because you're going to run out of time and budget. And to be honest with you, people are just going to be fatigued by it after a while. The, the leaders that you need to pull it off are going to be fatigued. Your pastor is going to be fatigued. And the students are just going to, you can say free car only so many times before they're like, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, and and that seems like, you know, when you say free car and that getting stale, it seems like, man, surely a free car would never get stale. But but I've seen that happen. Yeah. Literally with a car. Right. Where it's it's no longer as big a deal a, as it was. Um the th- what I think though about these kind of things is that it's it's a good tool to have in your arsenal. Um but you need to decide where and when you're going to use that kind of event. How does it fit into an overall student ministry strategy? And that strategy has to be built on some kind of a mission, some kind of a direction that you have. And so if you have this mission of, let's just give the broad mission of making disciples, but all you ever do are these big, like you called it, flash in the pan kind of you know, consumeristic sort of big prize giveaway, just everything is about drawing the crowd kind of event, then what you have is a significant mission drift from making disciples. And so if you want to combat against that mission drift, then that kind of an event has to have a very specific place. For example, like a top of the funnel introduction to your ministry, you know, the big hook in the water that you've got one or two times a year to draw a ton of guests in. 
but then the following events aren't just the same thing because those people that come and hopefully come back a second time because they had a great experience aren't going to grow by being given an opportunity to win another prize. Yeah. They're going to grow as you strategically move them down this funnel toward salvation and spiritual growth and sanctification. So strategically, where does that fit? And I would say when you when when you hold those things back, it makes that kind of an event pop even more. It makes it even more exciting when you say, man, remember last year we did this thing. You know, we haven't done done it since then. We're going to do it big here. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah, we did that last month and the month before and the month before. And now my friends are tired of hearing about it. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be afraid of doing it. Don't be afraid of of having a flash in the pan kind of thing. But that can't be all there. So if we take the hibachi restaurant as an example here. This is interesting and I have no idea where you're headed. You've been to one of these. I have. They cook in front of you. It's the Japanese restaurant. I had one dude lose his grip on his spatula and hit my wife in the shoulder. <laughs> you did? Yes. Spatula flew out. Flew out on a vacation to Mexico. Free meal? No. No. Oh. So instead of oh. throwing the shrimp at you, he just threw, threw the, the spatula. spatula. At least it wasn't the knife. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is, is a positive. Yeah. Anyway, sidetrack. Yeah. So with that, there's some presentation at the front, right? Yes. There is literally some flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. You've got the juggling of the knife and the spatula. You've got cracking the egg and you've got throwing the shrimp and you've got the volcano the onion with the volcano. onion stack. You've got all of that stuff. But he doesn't just leave after that. After he does all that stuff, he brings out the food, the vegetables, the rice, the steak, the chicken, and he cooks the full meal. And though you remember how cool the flashy part was, there's still some nourishment there. In the end, you ate. Yeah, there's still, like, you wouldn't go back just to watch someone light a stovetop on fire. (laughs) If that's all it was, hey, we're going to stack this onion up and we're going to do a choo-choo sound. And then we're going (laughs) to say, thanks for your 1995. Like, no one would go do that. Yeah. But... It is part of the experience, but it leads you to something else. And I think if we, if we can use the Japanese hibachi here, like you've <laughs> got to think through what the steak and chicken are for the ministry. Don't be afraid to trot the onion choo-choo out there. We want you to do those things. Like we have things here at Lifeway Students that support you and resource you to do that stuff. But at the same time, That's not your ministry. And if it is, if that's all your ministry is, then it is something that lacks substance and it's something that fails to truly move students through a pipeline of discipleship. And you're going to look, and here I think is one of the real dangers. I think a ministry based solely on flash in the pan, big events, and you live from big event to big event to big event, burns you out as a leader. I think it I think it can. I don't want to say it does every time. But I think it can build the mindset of look what I'm doing. Look what I'm pulling off here. Yeah. And it can begin to create a foothold of self-dependence and pride when this is something that you depend on only in your ministry. 
It should be a piece, not what your ministry is built on. And there, and again, for more than just ministry health, for your personal health as a leader, you'll begin to define yourself by what the big event does. And if it's good, you'll go home happy. And if it's bad, you'll beat yourself up and both ends of that spectrum leave you in a prideful state. Yeah. Man, I love that illustration. I had no idea where you were headed, <laughs> but I think it's great. And what's cool about it is if you like that kind of food, I don't ever go back to a hibachi place because the show was great right? at, at the front. Like you were saying, what I think about is, man, that food was killer. Yeah. And what kind of stands out to me is sometimes you have to win them with a little bit of that show. You draw the crowd with the show sometimes, and that's okay. But you want them to see how good the meal is. Yeah. You want them to remember that part. Right. And so eventually the the experience that you want them to crave is not the prize giveaway and the hype of the event. The experience you want them to crave is when they met with the Lord. That's right. After having come there. And when that becomes the reason that they come back to meet with the Lord and to grow in the Lord and to be with the body, then I think that that's when we're really moving toward real discipleship man i agree and if we want to even tease this this out a little further you can get steak and chicken and fried rice and vegetables from just about every asian restaurant but there's something different about the taste when it's on the hibachi when like you see it there's just something about it seems fresher i don't know what it is but there's something there that's different and I would say the same thing about a ministry that does what you just said, that shows people taste and see that the Lord is good. Yes, come to all these stuff. And here's the reality. Jesus fed 5,000 people. If you're, not, if you're trying to tell me that's not a, fa- a flash in the pan moment of Jesus' ministry, you're wrong. It was. He fed 5,000 people. Yeah. As a miracle. Five loaves of bread and two fish. It's not like he... We all know the story, right? But... He also immediately turned around to that crowd and says, here's what it means to follow me. Some stayed and some left, right? Yeah. But he pointed them back to himself and said, here's what the real bread of life is. You're following me because of that. Here's what it really means to follow me. Here's the reality of that flash in the pan stuff. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. People do it on Black Friday. Target does it. Walmart does it online people like it ha- everybody does it and student ministries do it it's the easiest the easiest thing to do is to have a flash in the pan moment what separates the church from all of these other flash in the pan moments like concerts and all this stuff is tasting and seeing that the lord is good that is the real holy spirit driven hook that we have that nobody else that nobody else has. And there are a lot of student ministries that continually roll out these events over and over and over and over. And a ministry that truly points their students to Jesus is maybe more rare than we think in this conversation. Yeah, and I mean, that just speaks to what we see in Scripture, that this walk with the Lord that he invites us to is what is everlasting. When everything else in this world is fading away, is temporary— what the Lord offers is everlasting. Yeah. 
And that's what we have to lead them to. And, and it's, it's easy to be tempted because of the results you can get from those kind of events. And because you have a desire as a student pastor to be relevant and to be, you know, sometimes we want to just be the coolest student ministry in town. Yeah. It's easy to, to fall into wanting to stay there. But then we're only leading them to fleeting things still, you know. And so if our, if our ministries are leading to fleeting things and not what is everlasting, then, then we're missing the mark. And that's not to say if this is the mark of your ministry, don't walk away from this saying, man, I'm the world's worst. Right. Um, you, you may have perfected the hook by now. And so if that's you and that's been a mark of your ministry and you've perfected the hook, great. Congratulations. Now lead those kids to something more. You've got them there. You have them coming. Don't miss this moment to strike while the iron's hot if you have them coming to things like this. But begin to think through what are the next steps. you got to take them beyond where they are. Yeah. And I think as you explain the strategy and philosophy behind here's students and leaders and parents. Here's why we're doing this. And here's what we hope to see. Yes, this is going to be flashy. We're going to talk about it a lot. We're going to say invite, invite, invite. We're going to spend some money on it. But here's why I think you find more buy-in when you link it to the mission. And it will even enhance that more than when your students just see themselves as a pawn in the chess game of getting more and more people to it. When they feel like it's their event as well and that they play a key role in executing that event so that it helps accomplish the mission, I think it pushes you further down the road and people saying, yeah, this is my, this is my ministry that, I, that I'm a part of as well. I want to get super practical for a moment too and just throw out a couple of thoughts um, that as you're, maybe you are interviewing at a place or you haven't had this conversation with your pastor or, or whatever this looks like. And, and here's a couple of ways to diagnose if you match going to a church, right? Because there are some churches by the leadership of the senior pastor that are live from big event to big event and no substance in between. You don't have a lot of say in that because you're not the senior pastor. So if you find yourself at one of those places, um, then I think a conver- you can have a conversation that's respectful and loving and gracious, and we can talk about that further in another episode. But here's what I would say. If you're going to a new place, I think that is a conversation that you need to have with that pastor that's interviewing you. What is your philosophy of ministry around this idea? That way you don't find yourself in a mismatch of leadership and what you want to do and what the pastor wants to accomplish. You know, we talk to a lot of guys that say, man, I just want to do ministry in a different way than what my pastor's wanting to do it. And a lot of times that happens when we on the front end don't say, hey, talk to me about this area of ministry. What would you like to see? What do you think in terms of student ministry when we talk about big events? And just talk through that. And the other part of that is as you're doing your internet research on the community and places to live when you're looking at a new church, uh, or if maybe if it's your first church that you're going to, look at the church calendar. That will give you a lot of insight into this topic for that church. And if it is cram-packed with big stuff, then that is a good, it gives you a basis to have a really good, healthy conversation with 
the pastor of that church on how those events are used and what the belief behind them is in the life of the church. So I just wanted to give a couple like super practical conversation points about this idea in terms of finding a match with you and potential church opportunity. Yeah, I, I think that's really good. And it reminds me of something that our friend Dave McNeil says when he comes to teach at our Student Pastor Essentials conferences, that if you are in that place where you ha- you feel like there's a mismatch between you and your leadership, sometimes it's helpful to just step back for a second and remember, I said yes to this. Like, they didn't make you get on their staff. You went there wanting to be a part of that staff. Yeah. So sometimes it's good to just kind of step back and say, okay, I agreed to this. I felt the Lord leading me to this. Yep. So Lord, help me remove the, the bitterness and uh, anxiety that's in my heart and in my mind as I'm, trying to, as I'm trying to sort all this out and come back to that posture of, oh, yeah, the Lord led me here. So, so now from that place, Lord, what do we do to move forward and in conversation to, to sort it out? Yeah, and that, man, the opportunity that you have in that situation is to, again, in a gracious, loving way, maybe be an agent of change. Yeah. And that's a good lead up moment. Again, undergirded with respect and all. And it might be a slow process. But if you are listening to this or if you just find yourself in a place not related to this topic, but you're just saying, am I a fit here? Maybe the point there is not that you leave and find a place that you are a fit but that there are some things that God uniquely gifted you to do and put you in that place to help that church take some steps in that direction with you as a part of it as you lead up and lead laterally the people around you. Yeah, that's good. That sounds like a great place to wrap it up. This has been another episode of the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. We will see you next time. <laughs>